0: Good morning. The passage we will look at today is really an application of the passage we looked at yesterday. In those verses, Paul showed the difference between himself and the Corinthians. They were arrogant and relied on the wisdom of the world, while Paul was willing to be seen as foolish, weak, and dishonorable, so that Christ would be made known. Ironically, in their attempt to be wise and strong, they were suffering, while Paul, in his suffering, was overcoming Before we get to the text, I want to say that I believe what Paul says in these final verses of chapter 4 is particularly instructive for us in the work we do here at Geneva. I'll try to make that application in a little bit. With that, let us now read together 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Paul begins by explaining to them why he wrote in the way he did. He did not intend to shame them, but to admonish them. There is admittedly a fine line here. But it is one that needs to be understood. Since we have occasion every day to correct student behavior, we need to make sure we are not shaming them, but rather admonishing them. Here is one way to look at the difference. Shame is used to make a person feel bad about themselves or their actions so that the one doing the shaming can feel better about themselves. What I mean is that it is not used to the benefit of the one being exposed to it. Shaming a person is not redemptive. It may have made Paul feel better for a moment to shame them, to mockingly point out their failure, but he knew that that wouldn't produce any real change in them. To admonish someone is to come alongside them and truly help them see what needs to be changed, and equip them for that change. While shaming is easy, admonishing is difficult. To admonish is to show real concern and a willingness to come alongside to help. We will see this part of it more clearly in a moment. Paul describes this admonishment as something that would be done by a parent for their blessed children, their dear children. Wise and godly parents want what is best for their children, and they do what is necessary to help them for their good. Redemptively admonishing is a part of that work. Now Paul will expand upon this parenting metaphor to describe his relationship to the church. Paul says that they had many guides in Christ, but not many fathers. The word for guide is paedagogos, The word pedagogy derives from this word. This had a very specific application in the ancient world. Wealthy parents would employ a paedagogos to tutor and protect their son until that son reached adolescence. Often, the paedagogos was a household slave appointed to this particular task. The paedagogos would have been important for a time and would have charge over the child, But the Pythagagos was not the same as the child's father. The Pythagagos didn't have the same responsibility or love for the child that the father would have had. The Pythagagos would have had authority for a time, but that would have ended when the child came to age. The Pythagagos would return then to being a household slave, maybe be able to purchase freedom. Paul states that the church at Corinth had all sorts of people to fill that role but they needed a father who could admonish them and help them to grow to maturity. Paul reminds them that he was a father to them because he brought the gospel to them and showed them how to have new life in Christ. Paul was their spiritual father. What Paul says next is extremely important. Having established himself as their spiritual father, it would be reasonable to assume that he would demand that they obey him. Paul is frustrated with the Corinthians. They are not walking in the way that Paul told them to walk and taught them to walk. And so he could demand obedience because he is their father. Scripture tells children to obey their parents after all. But that is not what Paul says. And I think that is noteworthy. Instead of telling them to obey him, He tells them to imitate him. This is not arrogance on Paul's part. He knew he wasn't perfect, as he says in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And later in the letter, he will clarify the statement by telling them to imitate him as he seeks to imitate Christ, This is simply Paul recognizing his responsibility to give a godly example to those to whom he was called to minister. In fact, this is what every parent ought to be willing and able to say to their own children. Remember, too, that Paul was in Corinth a long time showing them this example of godliness. But along with that, he also sent Timothy to them to serve as a further reminder of how they were to live as followers of Christ. Timothy, we are told, was a beloved and faithful child to Paul in the Lord and thus would have provided a good and godly example to them while also reminding them of Paul's own example. Here is where I want to make an application to the work we do here at Geneva. In one sense, we could be considered a paedagogos, We are not the students we teach parents, after all. But the work we do is distinct from that of a Epidagogos. And while the students are under our care, we stand in loco parentis, or in the place of the parents. Thus, our work is done in service to the parents of their children, as we also stand in their place for a time each day. I believe this means that each one of us needs to ask the question, do I see my role here as conveying information to someone else's children, or am I willing to say to my students, imitate me as I imitate Christ? When we say that, it can't just be words. Our students watch us anyway, But they will really pay attention if we tell them they can and should imitate us. If you haven't looked at it in a while, let me remind you of the first bullet point in the Geneva portrait, excuse me, the portrait of a Geneva teacher. It says this, a Geneva teacher is a disciple of Jesus Christ, one who models a love for God through obedience to his word. A Geneva teacher wholeheartedly embraces the mission, vision, and purposes and policies of Geneva while embodying the values of integrity and professionalism. By being a teacher at Geneva, we have said that we are putting ourselves in a position to have students imitate us as models who love God through our obedience to his word. Let's return now to the text of 1 Corinthians and finish looking at what Paul says in chapter 4. In verse 18, he begins speaking about those in the church that opposed him and were responsible for stirring up division. He says that some had arrogantly claimed that Paul wasn't coming back. I think from what Paul says is that these arrogant members had claimed authority over the church since Paul was no longer around. Paul did plan to come to the church, if God willed it, and he says that when he came, he was not interested in the words of his opponents, but their power. Paul is not threatening a violent confrontation. Paul wanted to see what their words produced. This is because the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. In other words, the gospel changes lives for the better. While the words of Paul's opponents caused division, lawsuits, and immorality. Paul then asks them how they want him to come with a rod or with love and gentleness. If they hear his warning and respond in obedience, Paul would come with gentleness. If not, he would have to forcefully rebuke them. Today, for our time of prayer, I want to pray for all of the fine arts faculty. They do a wonderful job of helping our students create and see and understand beauty. So I want to pray for God's blessing on their work. Father, we are grateful for another day and for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Today, I wanna pray for our fine arts faculty. I thank you for the work that they do creating beauty. And helping our students to appreciate and understand and create beauty of their own. I pray that you would bless their work and that you would equip them for it. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.